2: UK Tech Weekly podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the UK Tech Weekly podcast, the podcast with more bite than Luis Suarez. Excellent. Do you like that? My football reference is a little bit out of date. Do you want want to do one? No, just no. I thought I should do something to do with that Brazilian man who rolls over a lot. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Forget that. Get this rolling like Neymar, maybe. Nice, there you I go. see. In this podcast, you'll be listening to noises coming out of the heads of Scott Carey. Hi. You can say something. you can going to do job titles, Sh- fine. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> Sean Bradley. Hello. Dominic Preston. Hi. And me, David Price. We're going to be talking about Netflix and Fortnite, so let's get started. Scott Carey, um, you're interested in talking about Netflix today, apropos some um, insights that have come out about the programming decisions that are made at Netflix at the moment, the broadcasting sort of plans.
3: Yeah, so uh, in short, uh, Vulture basically got to um, embed a journalist with Netflix for what seems like a a decent amount of time. Um, For the first time, it was uh, Joseph Adalian, who is their West Coast uh, TV editor. And um, yeah, there's, there's just ton it's it's 10,000 words but there's just tons of great little nuggets in there about sort of how Netflix runs its business how mainly how it sort of selects content how it uh decides which content to keep running and which to cancel uh, and how it deals with talent as well so how it deals with showrunners um and a lot of the sort of decision making that it makes and and there was some interesting stuff in there about how they Use data as well because it's always been renowned for being, you know, the most data-driven organization in the valley.
2: Yeah, so they well, yes, there's, yeah, so there's a lot to sort of pick over. Um, I think the the thing you picked out first of all, and the one, yeah, I agree, is the most interesting is the idea that the decisions they make are more about instinct than they are about data. That they're trying to they're trying to downplay this algorithmic side of what they do, and and sort of, I think what they said was that data only tells you what's happened in the past and it can't tell you what's going to happen in the future. And also, if you base everything purely on data, you end up making the same thing over and over again.
3: Yeah. So it's interesting that for nerds like us, that's the most interesting part. <laughs> There's definitely more interesting stuff in there uh, regarding, you know, actual content. But yeah, I, I, did, I did think um, they, there, there was one quote in there in particular. Um, I can't remember whether it was from Serendos or not, but it basically said every decision they make is 70% gut. Thirty percent data, and I very much thought it would be the other way around. Yeah, but that can't be right,
2: can it? I mean, I was thinking they've got they've got a real motive to to lie about that, haven't they?
3: Yeah. So that's the that is the one caveat I did want to say about this article is that because they've obviously granted Vulture all of this access, um, it, it's it's going to be very much to Netflix's uh control, so everything that, yeah. that that was said or seen was was under their control, so it's it's going to paint a positive portrait of Netflix, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it gives some sort of insight into how they run their their day to day business
2: but they don't want it to seem robotic do they 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 no. want to they want to suggest that it's an artistic uh project that they're they're working on rather than just crunching the numbers yeah like a lot of people found well firstly people find it sort of creepy and intrusive the amount of data that they they are they are clearly harvesting regardless of what they say um, but also it's just the idea that we we don't like to think of ourselves as just a collection of demographic numbers we like to think that there is something yeah and you know, and in,
3: it, it that was one of the interesting insights was what they consider a useful metric mm. and and there was a few in there that that you maybe wouldn't think um but on that side you know the like categorizing of viewers uh they do it in a slightly different way to maybe the way that networks used to. So networks would always group people in these broad sort of ABC demographics of sort of age, gender, uh, maybe location. But um, Netflix has something along the lines of 500 taste clusters. Uh, and I, 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 love, I love having them for breakfast. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, because they found that obviously your um, propensity to watch maybe sci-fi to then lead you to watch something that is... I think the example they use is if you watch Lost, then your propensity to watch something like Westworld, which yep. isn't a Netflix show, but it, it, it's another mystery box show or something like The German Made Dark, which mm-hmm. maybe no one would have heard of. But if you can put it in front of someone that has a propensity for mystery shows like Lost, then that's the way you're going to get them in. And that's always been the way they've done things with, with their algorithm is is that whole, you liked this, you're going to like yep. this kind of thing, which which we take for granted now, but was quite innovative at the time.
2: Do you think it works? do you find i mean i'm sort of interested in how everyone thinks about yeah. this do you think that they they can actually because the the things they recommend for me a lot of the time i just have no interest in at all
3: yeah i, I yeah i agree i i take most of my recommendations from from human beings mm-hmm. I,
4: I find it mostly does all right for me with the caveat that it obviously pushes its own content too hard so you can spot the sort of if there's something that's in my recommended bit that doesn't seem right, that normally means it's something that's actually a Netflix original, that they're clearly just, the algorithm's pushing a little bit too hard and it's actually not quite the right taste profile for me. Yeah. But they really want me to see it because they made it. Basically. But the stuff that sort of other films or TV shows that it pops up for me, I actually find often they are things that I already am interested in because I've heard about them before. Or...
2: Yeah. Mm. What
5: about you, Sean? Well, yeah, you also probably remember the times when it recommends something that you do like and you think, wow, mm. that's clever. How cool is that compared to, you know, that you might have, sort of glossed over five or six shows that has recommended that you just dismissed out of hand Mm -hmm. um but i mean it's 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 super interesting that you know it's being boiled down that much to a podcast where um the uh, comedian bill burr um, who obviously has netflix specials and also does f is for family um he said that he you know attended a meeting at netflix and he was just completely blown away he sort of thought he you know know, he joked that he might not be allowed to leave after he'd just been given all that information because it was just so (laughs) like there's so they they just there's no no water rolling off the table right when they're catching every tiny bit of data that they can they can get. Oh, that's yeah. really
3: interesting that that, that um, is the case because in the piece, um, Eric Newman, who uh, made Bright, that that Will Smith movie yep. that's on Netflix, and he made he made uh, Narcos as well. He was he was a showrunner for Narcos, so he's a he's very much a Netflix sort of favored mm-hmm. uh, collaborator. He there's a quote here where he said. Um, he wishes that Netflix execs were giving more data-driven feedback. So the quote is, I ask for it and never get it. I am hmm. always like, who do people like? You guys know everything. You know when someone re-watches a segment of a show where people turn things on or turn them off, it would be really interesting for me to know that and they won't share it with him. Hmm. So um, as a creative, they don't want him making the decisions based on yes. that data.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't want the creatives to get that either.
3: No, and historically yeah. Netflix won't even provide viewing figures to yeah. um, their creators because they just want them to focus on making the, best making thing. the show yeah. and not uh, worrying about
5: numbers that's great though because you think it'd be yep. so easy for them to go the other way yep. and be like oh you're we're not going to give you another season because you only got x amount of viewers in this and yeah. this is why you're terrible you know whereas you know if they can you know if then like creators are removed outside of the sort of corporate sphere to some extent yep. then they can just sort of be a bit more
3: and i think that's how they've recruited the best showrunners so hmm. um what's her name from abc that they just recently got uh, um did Scandal and things like that.
4: Shonda Shonda Rhimes.
3: So Shonda Rhimes is quoted in the piece as saying that one of the reasons I loved the deal that Netflix offered me, apart from the millions and millions of dollars, (laughs) (laughs) but she was getting millions of dollars from ABC anyway, was that it it was less pressure. She doesn't have to worry about Nielsen ratings and, you know, um, day one, uh, like how many people are are viewing it during prime time? She just gets to go out and do her thing.
4: And to be fair, I think to some extent that's similar across these kind of platforms because I remember although the show itself was absolutely awful, when Woody Allen made his series for Amazon, he was very vocal about the fact that they never gave him very strong guidelines at all on episode count, structure, what it had to be about, what kind of figures it needed to get. They just said, no, we just want a Woody Allen TV show. Go and make us a TV show. And we'll, whatever it is, we'll put it out there and help it find its audience. We just want you to go make the show. Yeah.
2: Yeah, this brings up to a, a more general point, is that there doesn't seem to be the same fear of failure Particularly mm-hmm. with Netflix, seemingly because it has a bottomless well of cash. It is because of the bottomless <laughs> well, <laughs> well of cash. cash. Uh, but it's it, it's it's a real contradiction that they have on the one hand this very sort of tight control that they want exactly what they want. You, know, they look and they think, well, we want something with Kevin Spacey and we something want. with David Fincher, and you know, what, they've worked all in all the data out. But then once it's actually being made, then they have this, I suppose, admirable quality of yeah, hands off and you go for it and we're not gonna yeah. tell you the, the data which is more yeah. along those thing. lines,
3: what what they definitely do um in terms of using their data is they they see like big brush genres that they feel that they should get more into. So they never had much interest in doing stand up comedy. Mm. But they started running a few stand up comedy specials and now they run tons of them yeah. because mm-hmm. they do extremely well and they make they cost nothing to make. Yeah. They only have to pay the creative and that's it. That um, you know, it's not big budget TV and it does really, really well for them, and similar yeah. for their like documentary
4: output and their cooking shows and stuff like yeah. that. You can see that's like ramping up at the moment. They've clear rails from Chef's Table and stuff. They can put out a cooking yeah. show for next to no money and it will be very big.
3: Yeah, so that's um, that's the sort of insight that they do have over others that are kind of poking around in the dark, really, and yeah. just guessing that this is popular because of ratings or yeah. because of cultural criticism or whatever.
5: Yeah, it's interesting just to see that sort of like. Uh, the fact that Netflix has that variety of showrunners that are allowed to fail. If you watch something like that's made by the BBC, for example, things can vary quite a lot. But I feel like if you watch a BBC show, if you don't know it's a BBC, BBC show, you can tell in about five minutes just by the way it's shot, by the production yeah. values, by everything yeah. behind it. doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but it means that every time there's a new BBC series out, you sort of know what you're going to expect, right? Yeah. Whereas with like Netflix, there's because there is that room to fail it can be completely terrible like Iron Fist where, you know, it, it, or it can be something really, really good. One of my favorite
3: anecdotes in, in this piece was, um, when Netflix got it horribly wrong. Um, so, uh, at the beginning of this year, um, all of their data basically said that, um, the show, the end of the effing world, which is a British mm-hmm. channel four originally, yep. um, comedy, uh, dark, very dark, dark comedy, uh, by Charlie Coble. um, Basically, all of their data said bury it. You know, we'll, we'll buy yeah. it for a small amount, bury it. Um, it might get a little bit of a cult following. Uh, it was one of their most popular shows of the year so far. Yeah. Um, and they've now given Cobal a sort of a blank check to make another show for them. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah, did. um, it sounds cool. really good, actually. It's, um, it's oh, what was it? It's in here somewhere. It's about... Um, Great mythology, um, and it's like a yeah. modern retelling of um, oh, great. the great myths. Because that was a
4: great show. It was, I mean, that was a weird one where I got to from word of mouth. Uh, it was the only recommendation I've ever taken from my 16-year-old sister <laughs> nice. on what I should watch. But she absolutely insisted and just persisted and persisted, persisted and badgered me into watching it. And I come around and was like this Absolutely fantastic! It's amazing uh,
3: how well shows that drop around Christmas and New Year's do, yeah. Because there's a lot of people sitting around watching Netflix. Yeah, and that was the Making the Murderer thing as well. Yeah.
4: Oh, yeah, I love Making the Murderer. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I wish they had more of that sort of
1: thing.
4: I know well, they're working on well, more of trying. that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did you see the um, case is ongoing, so it's a bit complicated.
2: Did you see the American Vandal? The, the parody. Yeah, I did. Yeah.
4: I and think that, was, that, 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 was, that another was another one that one. said Sir Andos didn't think was going to be good. Yeah, he, yeah.
3: Didn't, he didn't actually want to greenlight it at all. And someone yeah. badged him enough to do it. Um, and then it was, again, another huge success story for them. Yeah. Um, sort of going back to metrics, I thought the, the interesting thing was that I thought that uh, the most important metric for them would be sort of completion of a series. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. It's something that they call survivorship, which is basically um, did people who started watching an episode finish that episode? That's mm-hmm. the okay. thing that they really, really rate as a metric. Um and that actually is the reason they gave for cancelling a lot of shows that people thought shouldn't have been cancelled, like Lady Dynamite, not a show I watched, but one yep. that a lot of people like. There was the OA yep. which got cancelled, which was like a sci fi show. Um, I, quite, I quite like that. I hated yeah. the OA. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine's a big OA stand, like you know, but like that that was one of the big problems was that people weren't finishing episodes and that's, that's interesting. they don't like.
2: Mm. How far, how close did the end? Do you have to get for it to qualify as finishing?
3: I think you got to
4: finish it. I or suspect what they finish. care about in part is that you hit the point where it says next episode starts yeah. in five, yeah, four, also three. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: Also, I feel like if you t- if you turn off in the middle of an episode, uh, maybe it's just me, but I almost always watch films, episodes, whatever, right to the end. If I have to turn something yeah. off in the middle, it's to be really. I've got to really lose lose intro, focus yeah. on it, which is quite hard. Like when it comes to something I've picked. That used to be the case for me, but since I had
2: kids, and now I only get a certain num- number of hours each night that's yeah. just for me. So,
5: well, you're the anomaly, you're the flying yeah. ointment in terms well, of the <laughs> stats. but I'm, I'm ruining well. Netflix's day to day. I decided David.
2: to watch Come Sons on. of Anarchy because I heard it, it's always cool I yeah. Yeah. Heard it was it's good, kind of yeah. And I, I was like halfway through the first episode, I was like, This is just not worth my precious time. It's, yeah. Just, yeah. It's a that's a slow the poem. end of that. Yeah. I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna watch, um, the Bilbaer stand up special yet again because at least I know what I'm getting with that, yeah. But
4: that's then that's exactly it. That's what they want to know that you didn't even bother to an episode. It's not like you're saying you paused it halfway to come back. It's no, sort of you stopped no, halfway no. and said, yeah. no, it's, this isn't even not worth, worth me finishing the 40 minutes. I'm pre committed to it. Yeah.
2: yeah. So do you think they do have a bottomless pit of cash or is is there is there a point at which they're going to suddenly say, right, expansion phase is over. We now need to start monetizing properly and have a plan. Yeah, they absolutely
3: have to <laughs> at some point, but I don't think it's as soon as you would think. I think mm. they could keep doing this for the best part of a decade. Um, the the, the, tw- the 2020 point obviously is arbitrary, but that is the point where I think they will reassess. There's rumors that, well, a lot of analysts basically say that they could hit 200 million subscribers by 2020, um, which would, would definitely be a sort of a tipping point for them. Um, they've already put their prices up a little bit this year or yep. last year um, to try and uh, monetize people. And, and I'm not sure that we will always have the four device situation that we have at the moment. But, uh, but I, th- I definitely think the strategy is, is absolutely entrenched at the company is spend, 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 build up a like catalogue of content, keep growing the user numbers equals profit, basically. Uh, and that, that budget, that 8 billion a year content budget they have currently will come down eventually. Um, but it's not going to completely disappear because they're, they're, they're going to keep producing content and yep. keep adding it to their library.
4: And the more they spend making content, the less they have to spend buying content. Yeah. which yeah. is going to be even more important as we see all the other big players trying to make their own streaming platforms. Disney, obviously. Disney's the elephant in the room. Um, mm. But, you know, like DC Comics, through Warner Brothers just announced a special, like, you know, DC Comics exclusive streaming platform and things like that. So more and more other companies are going to not want to sell their movies and TV shows to Netflix. So it's going to be more and more important that Netflix has its own... Library of content. Yeah, because Disney and enough. Fox
3: are going to bring that, they're going to pull their stuff off Netflix. and so yep. Netflix need more of their own stuff to replace that sort of content gap. Uh,
2: Do you think Netflix has been a good thing yes. in terms of television overall? Yeah. I,
3: I think it's an inevitability. Yeah,
5: I think the, the biggest, um, I don't know if you've all seen The Punisher, the recent uh, mm-hmm. series, but that for me is the first time that it's not really a show that's split into 10, 12 parts. It's almost like a 12 hour film that's just broken up. I mean, it's not episodic. It's like a twelve-hour comic book film. Comic book. You're like describing my hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It, I mean, it's. I mean, I won't rant about how good it is, but it really is incredible. I mean, this it sort of issue with films and why so films get pacing wrong so much of the time is because if you've got to shove a story into two hours, it's quite easy to screw that up in some yeah. to some extent. But if you've got to, like twelve episodes, there's enough room for scenes a lot with a lot of action and a lot of character development that you can really kind of move through. Um, And in the way that, because it's, again, it's really like a long film, you don't have to worry about the sort of episodic formula where at the start there's a premise that you're interested in at the start of the 40-40 minutes that then gets resolved at the end with a cliffhanger that keeps you tied on for the next one. If it's more built up like a film, then there's little slight elements of that, but it's, you know, it's more like a long story cut up as opposed to several little stories that have like a like a thread running through them if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah it was the same with godless
3: i don't know if anyone watched godless but it definitely had room to breathe uh even Mm -hmm. though it was a i think 10-part show um it had had the room to be a bit more like a hybrid of a a movie and a tv show and you'll see a lot more stuff of that style but to answer your question david I, i definitely think that like just because of the internet and because of streaming video like something like netflix was an inevitability it's just the fact that it is netflix now but like youtube would have been there or it would have been amazon video or like that is just the changing consumer habit and netflix are just filling it It in my opinion it's kind of chicken or egg Mm. but that's the way i see it
2: i was wondering if they were going to make programs that you wouldn't see otherwise like i was wondering if there would be more good content or the existing content would be better than before and i don't see how it can be that that's sort of what is going in my head because there is a there is existing number of talented people around existing number of talented actors and it's like when you have more channels and it just gets spread more thinly.
4: I'd say there is some shift though in that I think freed from the constraints of the networks and the network systems worrying about what type of show goes on what night and which time slot and that kind of thing. Yep. It's been a big boost to things like genre. Yeah. So much more sci-fi and fantasy and comic book stuff can come out of a place like Netflix. Uh, and things we were saying like cooking shows that aren't just built for the daytime TV crowd yeah, but right, are built for delicious. evening viewers. Um, stand-up stuff like we were saying earlier. All these kind of arguably more niche propositions that would struggle in... Indie movies could have
3: very easily gone the way of the dinosaur and under the current model because there's not enough people going to the cinema to watch them. The cinema industry can't support indie films anymore, but Netflix can. Yeah. So there's a lot more indie films on on streaming platforms than there possibly would have been if
4: we were still relying on cinemas. I mean, I think you've just got to think about the kind of things being put out. Like Netflix isn't really making those big, broad sitcoms like Big Bang Theory or Roseanne. And it could be, because the networks are, and the networks yeah. still think that's what they have to make to make the most money and find the audience. Netflix isn't trying to make that lowest common denominator stuff, at least not right now, whether it will. It's a different question. Well, but. you
2: wouldn't ever expect it to have the same viewing figures for a single program that they would have got for Roseanne back in the day. Because although it has mm. approaching 200 million subscribers, yeah. they're so yeah. fragmented. Yeah, I don't know if it's practical to do something like that. I, but thing also that,
3: the golden like what you were referencing was like the golden age of TV. But most of that was yeah. driven by HBO anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So because they had the the time and space and money to to do it, it wasn't really yeah. driven by network television.
1: No,
2: and they could swear, yeah.
1: they
4: could
2: swear, <laughs> and they could show tits and dragons, <laughs> <laughs> preferably at the same time. Yes, yeah. it's a very interesting subject. Uh, we I suspect that you guys could talk about this all day, um, kind of But we have to talk about something else. So um, we'll go around with a quick question. I. I don't know whether to include a rude word in this. <laughs>
3: ne- I said end of the effing world, but there is no reason why I can't say end of the fucking world. So.
2: Oh, we're well, we doing it. Uh, Netflix or Netflix? <laughs> Netflix or get nice. fucked. Oh, no. nice. I thought way? you
4: were going to Netflix or shitflix, but... Netflix or know. get pricks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, we've raided this our has podcast. Got be got there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see it. Netflix or get lost. That's the polite version. Nice, I like it. Um, Dom?
4: Uh, Netflix. Yeah. sean netflix scott
2: yeah netflix. we love netflix i am a subscriber i do like it um after the break we'll talk a little bit about Fortnite.
1: it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and
0: think about
1: work
2: Sean Bradley, what is Fortnite and why should I care?
5: Uh, well, here we go. Fortnite is the latest gaming sensation, David, to, to, to hit <laughs> our it's like, like you your granny, it? <laughs> uh, So... Um, Depending on uh, your age, you've probably heard of Fortnite from uh, playing, playing it yourself, or from a sibling, or uh, indeed a child of yours playing it. Um, I've just seen the Moral Panics on um, Broadsheet newspapers. Oh, oh yes. On. Yeah. Well, you know, we look like a good Moral Panic, don't we? So we're, we're all in. Um, Fortnite is the latest sort of expansion in gaming becoming incredibly mainstream, um, for several very, very good reasons. So, I mean, I'll start to say it's produced by Epic Games, who are a pretty one on publisher. Um and Fortnite was originally produced to be a sort of four-player cooperative base-building um, sort of zombie shooter game. So you um, get dropped into a world, you, you are with three of your friends, and you build up a base and you defend it when hordes of zombies come running at it. With you so far. This game was... No one really cared, to be honest. It was an interesting... It was it was going to have a box price. Um, yep. There was going to be microtransactions where you could... Spend money to get better weapons, and people largely get people who consider themselves gamers hate microtransactions. Um, so people, there's people watching this, and at least some people played it and they thought, eh, okay, whatever's fine. Then the battle royale genre entered. So, this sort of happened with MMORPGs about seven eight years ago when World of Warcraft hit the scene as an MMORPG, which is um where you're
4: dropped into... Definitely longer ago than that. I was... Well, <laughs> oh yeah, well, so, so World of War in 2004, but yeah. it sort
5: of didn't really get really popular until 2008, 2009. But an MMORPG is where you're dropped into a persistent world that never changes, and you spend hundreds of hours, up to, or thousands of hours, some people with the same character, and you level it up, and you get it equipment, and you interact with loads of other people all sharing the same same world. Whereas, for example, a game like Call of Duty, you will jump into a game, and it will end in 30 minutes, and yeah. then you start a new one. World of Warcraft is very much a persistent... It's called a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, MMORPG. So, World of Warcraft completely blew up um, and then a load of other companies started to make MMORPGs and the market got incredibly saturated. So EA made a Star Wars one um, and it, this whole thing blew up. And the same thing is now happening with Battle Royale games. So, to explain the concept of a Battle Royale game, like the film Battle Royale... Um, it's a good film. Yeah. Good 100 people are dropped into an area, They can, and there's a load of different variations on this now, but they will gear themselves up with weapons and armor, and the area as the match progresses will slowly shrink. Um, If you are uh, killed off in this game, you are out completely, you don't respawn, you're out, you're done, and you go back to start another game. And so when 100 people enter the map, it goes down to one person needs to be left alive, one person wins. And the map slowly shrinks in size, and people so people get pushed towards together, um, so they can fight. I can't possibly imagine why this is highly addictive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there there are reasons why. So really, it's I think it's consequence of in these games death. So if you're playing a game where you respawn instantly, if you die, okay, you respawn in five seconds. Yeah, the stakes are low. Stakes are low. Whereas if you've been, so these Battle Royale games will last sort of between, in, in Fortnite, it's usually sort of 20 minutes in the game like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is another huge one. They can last up to 40 minutes. And so if you're in the last 10 players, you've been playing as much for 30 minutes, you know, if you die, that's it. It suddenly becomes very tense and the adrenaline starts yeah. to spike because you really want to win. And that's, you know, um, there's, you know, you're work, almost working towards something and there's real, it's not really real consequences if you get killed, but mm. you're, you know, it's yeah, you're winning or losing, and it's and it means something more than it, if you just die instantly. It builds
4: more of a narrative into a match for yes. you as a player, which then is part of why it's taken off because it builds that narrative into other people watching you play on services like Twitch and stuff. Because yeah. these games have all been huge on streaming. Because uh, yeah, you know, if you're watching someone play Call of Duty and they keep dying every thirty seconds, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, it's harder to follow the step, the the match and the story of the match as it plays out. Whereas if you're watching one person play through and they're surviving for half an hour it's like watching a short film of their journey through this yeah, exactly you know well, if
2: you think about it battle royale was a film but you can't imagine a film that would just be a series of people dying in then starting <laughs>
3: yeah making sense that's, that's also i awful. think saving
4: private ryan with respawns yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i
3: just think everything you said about that game like really rings true to me as someone that is borderline addicted to fifa because it's it's all of those sweet spots it's it's that nice Time limit of about twenty minutes, so you can squeeze a game in here and there, but you're not overly committed to it. Yep. You're playing against someone online, so the stakes feel high, and you're going to have a result at the end of it. So it, it, it's hugely addictive.
5: Yes, it is. Um, what, so
2: what are the differences between this then and the other bat- battle royale games? Wow, well, PUBG. I'm, I'm yeah. So
5: there's it. um. So as with MMOs, um, so PUB PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds was the first one, um, and this is what really sort of brought it, um. um mm, There were mods for other games, so Armour 3 had a Battle Royale mode, um, and also there was a game called DayZ, which launched ages ago, which sort of had similar sort of persistence to your character, and when you died, you lost everything and had to start again. So um, PUBG, or PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, uh, came, I think it launched officially at the end of last year, but it had been in sort of various testing phases before that. That was the first big one to arrive, but it had a number of issues, mostly pretty much all of the assets in the game were bought from the steam store so they weren't so they weren't created in-house by the developers who made the game when i say assets i mean things like weapon models buildings cars trees whatever they put into the game these were made by loads of different people and then bought by the company and put into the game this means that they're not cohesively designed to work together which means the performance of the game so if you're running, so you need a supercomputer to run this game effectively, right? Which limits the barrier to entry. Also, it's got a forty-pound bo- box price. Now there are millions of people playing this game, literally right now. I think um, PUBG averages concurrent about just over one point one million players on Steam at any one time. That's Absolutely, good Which I mean, Fortnite is actually blowing that out of the water right now um, but so PUBG had a number of barrier, barriers of entry because of that um, the, the engine they built the game on couldn't really handle the amount of people properly so um, the net code was a bit weird so what I mean by that is when when you're shooting at someone on your screen you're shooting at someone and you're you're seeing the bullets hit that's not what the server thinks is happening so you're behind the server it's the difference between a client and server relationship David, lag. lag lag essentially you're looking confused so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're so it's when like the server can't handle the amount of connections that are going to it, so it can't. This is on like my brain at the moment. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so it, it can't. I'm experiencing to... lag in real time. <laughs> <laughs> real, real time lag, brain lag. It's you mentioned worst. all
2: right. You mentioned barrier for entry. Um, is age a barrier for entry?
5: Are our are ki- are kids allowed to play this essentially? Um, so PUBG has much more of a realistic tone to it. Fortnite doesn't. Fortnite's very sort of cartoony, and there's no blood. Um, it's very sort of, um, and it's sort of like um, it's very sort of animated. It's got a cartoony style.
4: It's got a very silly tone. There's lots yes. of like costume unlocks, which are sort of colourful, silly outfits and hats, and you know, it, it's much yeah. more playful I think in tone.
3: Been, I think there's been at least three. I've watched a lot of World Cup, and there's been at least three goal celebrations that have been Fortnite dances so far. <laughs> yes. yes, two of them by England players. <laughs> yeah up yeah. there, Deli Ali and Lingard are both known Fortnite players. Yeah. Antoine Griezmann, Paul Pogba, all big time <laughs> Fortnite.
2: I mean, let me get this straight: people at the Football World Cup are imitating characters Dance. in this computer game. Yes, Dances, when yeah. they
3: score goals in front of millions.
5: Of people. Yeah, so time to be alive. What time to be alive! Yeah, welcome to the future. Um, we're here. Incredible. Um, so. Fortnite has garnered 125 million players worldwide, with 40 million logging in every month. So just let that run through your... It is it's, a sensation. It's it's giant. Having said that, that's uh, League of Legends at some point, which is the other huge free-to-play game, had 80 million at some point. So that was even bigger a few years ago. But Fortnite... Um, it's also very interesting when it monetizes itself. So this Battle Royale version of Fortnite is completely free to play. If you have a computer, you can download it and play it. It's, I mean, literally free. You can play it. There's something called a battle pass, which is where you can, um, it's uh, gated by seasons. So a season lasts about three months and you can pay the equivalent of $10 and then you get yourself a battle pass. And the more you play the game, the more cosmetic unlocks you get. So different costumes, different dances, different silly hats, different emotes. So you can wave at people and as you're throwing grenades at them or, or whatever. Can you
3: play it on a console?
5: You can. Um, and there's this is an, another uh, big contentious uh, contentious issue is that Sony are playing not particularly nicely. It was found out recently that you, it was very easy to do cross-platform games. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I haven't researched this entirely, but um, someone literally flicked a switch and then PlayStation and Xbox players were playing together. And I think this was someone at at Epic's with with Fortnite, and then but. Sony doesn't want to let this happen because Sony has such a huge market lead on uh, um, on Microsoft in terms of console sales. Um, so it is, but the community is segmented by you can only play with Xbox players if you're on an Xbox. And, I see. And, yeah. But
4: right now, yeah, so there's now cross play bet- basically between. Everything except the PS4, I think. Yes, right. Sony aren't playing nice. So PS4 sits on its own, but if you're on an Xbox, you can play with someone on a Switch and with someone on a PC. Yeah, that, That's
3: that's, a, that's textbook Sony, to be
4: honest. It, and there's also,
5: I think, probably from there is on a Switch recently, is that correct?
4: Yes, yeah, so it, it was released on Switch at E3. It was one of those. Here's Fortnite on Switch. You can download it right now and go oh, to the yeah. eShop. Yes. There. But uh,
5: if you logged into your account on the Switch and then tried to log back into it on a PS4... You weren't allowed to use it again. I
4: think it was that if... Yeah, it was, I think it was that if you'd ever played it on a PS4, it wouldn't let you play it on a Switch, because of some amazing. weird Sony account thing that... And again, it just ever, everyone involved just pointing their fingers at Sony as it's Sony's fault. Yeah. Like, um, everyone yeah. else wants it to be... This has become a thing that's then spread out otherwise, because the same in uh, Minecraft. Xbox and Nintendo players can play Minecraft together, but not with PS4 players. So Did actually, Microsoft in an amazing... Hmm? Did Microsoft yes. buy Minecraft? Yeah. yeah. So even though Microsoft own it, they've allowed cross-play on the Switch. That's, and in that's an amazing right, marketing, marketing coup, there is a mi- Minecraft trailer out that ends with the Microsoft and Nintendo logos side by side mm. and are like, you know, let's build together or Excellent. something like that in a really pointed <laughs> F you at Sony. <laughs> yeah. Like... It is astonishing that it's uh, got to the point. If you're going
3: to spend millions on it, hundreds of millions on it, then you get to do
5: stuff like that. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's true. Um, but yeah, also Fortnite are doing some um, sort of interesting stuff that makes sets them apart from other games. So there've been a load of other Battle Royals that have come out since they're trying to essentially take advantage of Fortnite's success. So um, Radical Heights was one that came out that was made by Bosky Studios. Weirdly enough, the other production made by Bosky Studios was a game called Lawbreakers, which tried to copy Blizzard's Overwatch. So Overwatch came out, was a huge sensation among sort of PC shooter players. Bosky Studios made Lawbreakers, which was essentially the same genre of game um, called, a, called a hero shooter, and then it flopped incredibly hard. Uh, I mean really titanically hard. It was They spent years developing this game um, and then they tried to compete with Overwatch and got completely crushed. Um, they then did a 180 and tried to jump on another bandwagon, which was the Battle Royale bandwagon, where they made Radical Heights, which was a weird sort of 80s inspired the dots are sort of weird like 80s cultural references to get healthy you ate hamburgers and you were like flying around on bikes and it was very weird but i mean it's quite silly yeah david's loving this uh, he's <laughs> literally seeing grimacing over the uh, say so, none like, of you remember the 80s i remember
3: <laughs> but but long story short like why has fortnite been so much more successful than everyone else is it a confluence of factors
5: yeah so PUBG was the original, uh, basically a really strong computer to run it, and even then the netcode was dodgy, so it didn't feel like good to play. It also had a £40 box price. Fortnite, free to play, runs perfectly, much more cartoony, much more accessible to kids, but yeah. still has a... My 11-year-old cousin plays it. Right. Yeah. So like, and also...
4: Are they
2: supposed to be playing it?
4: Uh, so this is an interesting point. <laughs> it is in the UK, rated 12 and above, which uh, I only discovered the other week because the BBC did a thing on, you know, should kids be playing this game? And, like, proudly uh, announced that they'd invited a load of 11-year-olds into the studio to play Minecraft. And then all the gaming journalists piled on and said, you know, it's a 12-rated game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um,
2: And it's... So it's it's an addictive game. And you've got 11-year-olds being sort of consciously targeted with cartoonish graphics. But
3: also, what you were saying about the free-to-play thing, like... These things, these cultural things, are snowball effects. So mm. It's, it's, mm. as soon as you get a certain amount of people playing it, you know you go into school the next day. everyone's F- talking, talking about, about it. it. Yeah, that's it. That, it. It's, it's, it's over, the craze, like, that is it, you know. You know? Yeah.
4: Which equally means it will burn out eventually because it but will what, just. Be... That, that
3: was my other question: Is will it burn out? Yeah. Is it going to go the way of Pokemon Go, or has it got more legs? I
2: think Pokemon Go oh. is still is still Pokemon going. <laughs> yeah, but um,
3: no one's <laughs> playing it.
4: Like not that's like not thing... on the scale it was. Yeah, I think
2: it's still a pretty big.
4: It's still going, and enough for them to make money, and they keep updating and all that. But it's not like. You know, you couldn't get away from Pokemon Go yeah. when it first came out. Yeah, there right? was like a week <laughs> of... And that's where Fortnite is now, but it won't last because something else will come along or people will just burn out, eventually.
5: Yeah. The other huge contributing factor is, the, as Don mentioned earlier, the influence of Twitch. Which for those Yeah, of you, Drake, yeah, 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 Drake also... <laughs> Drake played his part, yeah. Yeah, yeah also, uh, sorry, Twitch, for those of you who don't know, is a streaming platform where you can watch people play games. Why would anyone want to watch a person play a game? is a question I get answered a lot. Um, I watch Twitch occasionally to relax. It's hard to explain why, but, you know, there are the same people that play every day and it's nice to sort of relax and watch them and if they're much better at a game than you are perhaps, it's interesting to see how they how they play and they interact with their chat.
2: I always think that's a really a, weird question. It's a very like, weird question.
5: Because it's like like I why watch I really people wa- playing cricket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Like, okay. What, well, you well, play
2: I'm... cricket yourself? Because well, I'm rubbish. <laughs> well, I like, to because
3: like, good at it because maybe I will, but maybe I'll also want to watch it. Like, yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll okay. do both. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad
5: that you guys are falling on this side, <laughs> of the, side of the argument. So with that, there's a Twitch team called Ninja who regularly gets over 100,000 people watching him play this game. Concurrent. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Con, yeah, concurrent. But as in, and this is a he streamed with Drake. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Drake a... jumped on, didn't he? Yes, but... Drake's a rapper. Don't patronize me. And so Twitch now has a huge propensity to spread the word about a game because if you can watch a game for a while, you think it looks fun, and Twitch have been very good at this. Also owned by Amazon, by the way. Um, yeah, I was wondering. Y- I yeah, yeah. Um, and, and now sort of like although Fortnite is free on Twitch, if you're watching a game, just under it is a link to buy it. So they have kind of. Doing this is well,
2: sometimes in the past. Streaming platforms have ha- have had people saying you can't play our game unless you talk over it, or whatever you can't you can't just show gameplay from a game. I think that's mostly been a thing on maybe YouTube.
4: You, yes, there it yes. has been a bit on Twitch in the past. I mean, get, publishers are beginning to get their heads around it. Nintendo yeah, was very bad appetite, about that for a while, and there were a few other. There were one of the Fun Fantasy fifteen had some funniness around yeah, it. Yeah,
5: Persona as
4: well. A persona that was it. Persona five. Yeah. yeah so it's it sort of used to happen a lot especially nintendo with a big one they would issue takedown notices to youtubers all over the place uh and i think i've now got the heads around it that it is free advertising and it drives people to their games and you know I, the, the fear was that people will watch a game be played and then feel they don't need to buy it themselves yeah which, especially for a narrative game if yeah watch someone play through the whole story yeah which that yeah. Made sense
5: yeah, yeah. We, we're it doesn't make America sense if it's game. battle royale a sports game yeah yeah, because but... yeah the, the content there is your interactions with other players and the yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or playing with your friends to, to do it um but yeah um yeah persona yeah. had some very weird where you're allowed to play up to a certain point in the game yeah and then you weren't allowed to play past that but a load of streamers were like yeah mate all right and just kept playing <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, uh yeah to just just for just for this sort of you know yeah. sticking it to the man if nothing else really but.
4: but yeah I think Fortnite's reliance on Twitch puts it in an interesting place in terms of it being a craze because obviously the streamers are driven by their audience in part they'll play Fortnite for as long as they think they have an audience you want to watch them play Fortnite but equally these are tastemakers and at some point they're going to feel like they need to do something different and they'll move on to some other game and if you know if there is that point where there's an exodus of the top streamers onto some new title or various other new titles that could be a thing that tips it because if yeah. the big streamers stop playing Fortnite, suddenly there's just a lot less attention on it, and so it, it could. It's the first time we've really seen a game be this reliant on Twitch for at least to drive its initial success, and it'll be curious to see what happens if the Twitch audience if moves on. It, yeah. yeah, yeah.
5: Interestingly enough, I mean, along that vein, you are now having publishers sponsoring streamers to play their games. So last night, for example, specifically, Battlefield Five will be launching in a few months. I went on Twitch last night. Almost all the streamers I'm following, all the biggest streamers on Twitch, were all playing in the same game of Battlefield Five, which was quite interesting to watch because you could jump between streamers and see them interact and sort of kill each other. And it was quite an interesting thing. It is, and also these streamers are getting sponsored by PC makers, components, things like Corsair, but also um, uh, Monster Energy. I was watching a streamer joke that he's a coworker of um, Tiger Woods because they're both (laughs) sponsored by Monster Energy. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I am going to have to call a halt to this uh, fairly soon because we're running out of time. Um, quick question then. Um, Battle Royale or Royale with cheese? I came up with that <laughs> while we were talking. it's that. um, not obvious. Is it obvious? No.
3: What do you mean it's not obvious? It's not obvious that you came up with it about three seconds. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, you go first then. Fortnite or football's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> alright you can choose any of those four options battle royale royale with Ooh. cheese Fortnite, or
5: football's coming home scott obviously football's coming home
2: you're such a weird man <laughs> sean
5: uh, I, I like the whole scene because i'm a giant nerd probably more than the rest of you so we're going Fortnite.
2: and
4: don um, i'm gonna pity david and go royale with cheese yeah royale nice. with cheese me
2: too <laughs> um, okay that's it for this week we'll be back next week on the uk tech weekly podcast with more informed opinion On the hottest topics in tech. Uh, Until then, say goodbye, guys. Bye -bye. Bye bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hold up.